oh my god even just saying this out loud I feel sick that <laughs> I even did this yeah but I think I just had such a thing about money and asking for money and even I didn't numbers have never been my strong point that it just made me it made me feel sick and I wanted to cry every time I looked at it even if it was good numbers Hello, my name is Jara. I'm the founder and managing director of Jampact Agency, and you are listening to the Jampact Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Jampact Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. This first episode is completely different to all of the others that I have planned. As the title suggests, I've gotten one of my best friends, Brooke to come on the podcast and interview me. I just thought it would be a really cool way for you guys to get to know me on a much more personal level than I feel like social media has ever allowed me to do. And also I thought Brooke would be the perfect person to do it because she has been by my side pretty much throughout this whole journey being a business owner. She is the person that I turn to for so many things in life and in business She's the person that I've confided in about all of the highs and lows to do with life and business and work and people management and all of the things. She's really been somebody who has come along on the journey with me this entire time. So I thought there was nobody better to have on the podcast. We chat about some juicy things. I feel like I expose myself at some points in this podcast. But yeah, we chat about the things I think I've done to grow the business. We chat about remote work. We chat about my own personal goals. We chat about my age and the issues that I've had around that. We talk about the biggest mistakes that I've ever made as a business owner, and they are big. Uh, We talk about the confidence transformation that I've had over the last year. And yeah, so much more in between. I'm really excited for you guys to listen and to learn more about my journey so far. But before we dive into Brooke interviewing me, I asked Brooke why she said yes to interviewing me in the first place and what she was hoping to get out of it. And here is what she had to say. I said yes to interviewing you because you are one of my closest friends and I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for this new journey that you're about to embark on but also because I've followed your career over the last five years. I remember being one of the first followers of Socials by Jara in 2018, and I thought it was an Instagram page that would have tips and tricks on how to have an aesthetic feed and how to get (laughs) likes. And, yeah, I've, I've watched your journey over the last five years. I'm so impressed and so proud, and I love to see what happens behind the scenes for you, so I'm really excited to get into it. Amazing. Okay, well, I'm nervous for the questions that you've got for me dive in. Okay, Jara, first question. So over the last five years, you know, you started as a one-woman show and you progressed into a company director, which is amazing. What would you say are the key things that contributed to that growth? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think this is a tricky one for me to answer because deep down still building up the confidence to feel like I'm even worthy enough to speak about this because When I listen to podcasts of business owners who talk about how they've driven growth in their companies, they're usually like million dollar founders, like multi-million dollar businesses. And we're obviously not there yet. We're still very much a small business. So I feel like I have to say that. I feel like I, you know, I'm still very much on my journey. But that said, we have, as you said, grown. So there has been things that I have done to grow the company at the end of the day. I think the the biggest ones for me would probably be one, figuring out what I'm really good at 
and I have figured out what I love doing, figured out what I'm good at, and the rest I outsource or the rest I have hired somebody to do. So an example of that is I love strategy. I love putting together strategies, but Facebook ads, as much as I understand them and I can build campaigns, I think I've hired somebody who's actually specializes in that and that's their strength. And that for me has just enabled me to grow the business and provide such a better service to all of our clients because I've hired somebody who's better than me at the things I'm not good at, but then I'm still, yeah, focusing on the areas that I am good at. So that's been a massive thing. But honestly, just putting myself out there, I'd say, has been probably the biggest driver of growth in the business. And not just in the sense that I obviously put out a lot of content and I've had to get over my fear of being cringe and being confident talking on camera. Like, obviously, there's all of that and that comes quite naturally to me. But another thing that I think I've done is actually get myself out into the community and out into real life situations where I'm meeting people and not kind of going in thinking, I'm going to try and get some clients out of this. I'm just going out there and surrounding myself with people who inspire me and who are doing cool things because that has come back to me tenfold when I'm out there in the community offering value. It comes back to me in some way. Like I might go to a lunch and I meet somebody who is doing something similar to me and then they end up referring one of their biggest clients over to us. And I think word of mouth has been the biggest driver of growth for us. And it's simply just because I'm out there talking to people, if that makes sense. 100%. That's definitely something I've noticed about you too, is you really do put yourself out there. And I feel you have kind of created this little community of either like-minded people or people in the same industry as you, or like you said, outsourcing and you create so many amazing relationships from that. I think that's one of the reasons why you are so strong is because you know so many people in different areas too, and you're always willing to take on advice and feedback. And I really think that's what has made you so strong over the last five years, especially. Totally. And it's been, and there's been a massive shift in my mindset around that as well, which I feel like you've been following closely because I talk to you about it all the time, but just shifting my mindset from, okay, this isn't a passion project. It's actually a business. And the decisions that I make need to be at the end of the day for the business, because if the business isn't around, then neither are the people in my business either. So shifting my mindset from, okay, I just want everyone to like me and I want everyone to love their jobs and I want everyone to uh, get as much out of this business as possible. As much as I still have that mindset, I've also had to almost think of my business as a person as well. Like if we don't have a business that is strong and profitable, we don't have people that we can reward in that sense either. So shifting my mindset around that has been what has enabled the growth to actually feel sustainable and long-term. You know, as you just said, over the last five years, you really have put yourself out there. How did you find that as a 19-year-old starting out? I can imagine that would have been so daunting, you know, putting things on Instagram, Facebook, your face, talking to camera. Yeah. It's a nervous thing to do. I mean, I'm nervous just sitting here with you right now. How did you do that? How did you push yourself out of your comfort zone and just bite the bullet? Yeah. I wish there was like a, you know, three steps, like do this, do this, do this, and then that will push you to do it. But honestly, all I did was just do it. I just started and I had to really let go of what people would think, what people are going to be saying about me. And at that point, when you're launching a business and you haven't built it yet, it does feel a lot more, not embarrassing, but you're kind of cringing and a bit nervous because 
you don't have that proof behind you that, yeah, I can do this. So you're kind of assuming that people are going to look at you and think and just doubt you and just think, what are you even doing? So I kind of had to back myself a lot. And it's so nice to look back on the 19-year-old me and remember how that I did that as a 19-year-old because even to this day, I think I struggle more with it now than I than I did when I was 19 because I've built an audience now and yeah. there's more people looking at me. I've got my team looking at me, my clients, all of that stuff. Whereas I didn't really have anything to lose back then. So I'd say, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely been a journey with that. And it was probably easier when I first launched. Whenever I feel self-conscious about it I like to think about that 19 year old who just didn't give a shit and did it anyway (laughs) yeah keep her at the forefront of your mind you can do anything totally amazing so from that then I want to discuss with you you know you and I have had conversations over the years it's a decision that you made a little while ago was to actually not really discuss your age you know on your social media platforms and when you are talking to your clients or your community you did start when you were 19 and you know over the last five years you've created this amazing business and you're a company director now so why did you make that choice and do you still feel the same way now at the age that you are and maybe with the growth that you've had or? That's a good question. So yeah, a couple of years ago, as you know, I kind of made a public announcement and a decision that I was no longer going to talk about the fact that I started my business when I was 19 because I did feel like I made that such a big part of my story as a founder for the first few years. So I would always say, yeah, I started this business when I was 19, blah, blah, blah. And after a while, I felt like it felt a little bit weird to tell my story that way because I was thinking, okay, well, what happens when I'm 35 and I'm running this agency? Does that mean I'm not special anymore? Because I've been talking about how I'm a young founder for so long and now I'm not a young founder. I'm, um, yeah, old, not old, but older. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, does that mean I, I don't have any value to offer anymore? So I kind of was like, that's it. I'm not talking about my age. It's not the most special thing about me. The most special thing about me is the strategies I create, the uh, create my creativity, my team. It's not about how old I was when I started my business. So I definitely just kind of cold turkey was like, I'm never mentioning it again. I'm never talking about my age again. But now I'm coming up to my 25th birthday next week. And I feel like I'm I'm ready to start not making it my biggest unique selling point as a founder because it's certainly not but actually I'm I'm okay to talk about it again now and I'm okay to say yeah I was 19 when I started this business because one it's nothing to be ashamed of at the end of the day and I think me cutting off talking about it has actually made me feel uncomfortable when people bring up how old I was because I've never done any study I've never uh, I've never I don't have a uni degree I definitely started this from scratch it makes me feel more empowered when I actually bring up my age now and yeah, give kudos to the 19 year old that that went through all of this. We need to celebrate her. Exactly. And also just, we've been on such a wild journey with this, as you know, we're coming up to our second rebrand. I promise it's the last one. I want to jump into that (laughs) soon. (laughs) Um, But the reason that I think we've had to rebrand a couple of times now is because I am very much growing up and maturing with this business. So who I was when I was 19 is obviously so different to who I am when I'm 25. And you can see that in our branding and in the changes that we've made as we've gone along. So yeah, I like telling that story because the business is very much growing up with me. And yes, I was 19 when I started the business, but it doesn't take away from anything that you know I did back then. And yeah, it's a cool part of the story that I'm ready to talk about again. Amazing. I'm very happy about that. Yeah. 
Okay, so you just touched on the rebrand. Okay. I want to get into this because <laughs> I remember you making a post and you were like, I'm mm. not doing this again. When you made your second rebrand and it was SBJ Studios. Mm. So what was the thought process in this third rebrand? What kind of was the decision where you went, yep, I'm doing it, I'm yep. jumping in and I'm ready to make this decision? Yeah, it happened very quickly. It wasn't like this thing I was thinking about for six months. I just knew that for such a long time, I didn't like our name. And so we went from Socials by Jarrah to SBJ Studios. I don't know. It it felt, it suited us for a little while, but I feel like we very quickly outgrew it. And nobody ever even asked what SBJ stood for. And a lot of people would just assume it was maybe my initials or something like that. And I just felt like it wasn't as iconic as I feel like we are as an agency and the vision that I have for the agency, the vision that I have for myself, my team is it, I don't know, it's just outgrown SBJ Studios. How this all came about actually is because of this podcast, because I sat down and thought, okay, I want to start a podcast. Our tagline has always been digital marketing is our jam. And then I came up with the name Jam Pack Podcast. And I was like, I love that name. I was so obsessed with it. Yeah, I was like, that's just perfect. And I was thinking, I wish that was our business name. That suits us so much better. Like, imagine if we were jam-packed agency. That is so cool. And I spoke to my really good friend and branding consultant, Kylie. We went out for coffee. And I was like, what do you think? Like, do you think it's worth me changing my business name? And she's like, Dara, yes, it is worth it. And I was like, okay, how much does it cost? She told me, I'm like, all right, let's just do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Let's dive into it. And I am so glad. So obviously we're recording this podcast before we've launched the actual rebrand, but you've seen all of the branding and I just feel like it finally represents how amazing the business is, if I say so myself, and what kind of impact we have on brands and where we're headed and what kind of level of service we provide. I think it's elevated us so much more and I, it's not that I, I'm never going to say I hate the branding of SBJ Studios because it's actually quite nostalgic to me now. I feel like it represents a certain time in my life now and that it's like when I was maturing and it's kind of a cool journey to look at. Like if you look at my very, very first branding for Social by Jarrett, so girly and young and not immature, but just young and trendy. And then we've kind of moved into the more slightly uh, more mature branding with SBJ Studios, but still quite girly, still young, quite feminine and just trendy, fun. Whereas this new branding is just so much more elevated. It's mature. It's bold. It's sophisticated. It's edgy. Oh, it so it's so it. good. I love it so much. <laughs> and I have to agree with you. I think elevation is the biggest aspect mm. in all of that. It's just another step to elevate your brand and your business. It's amazing. I'm so excited you for like it. it. I love okay, it. Good. <laughs> so you and I have spoken a lot about people management on our morning walks. I'm in an industry where I assist my boss with people management and she's a founder too. And I, you know, I see the highs and lows for her and we've spoken about it on your end. So can you give a little bit of insight on what it's like to lead a team how you set boundaries within the business. I know you lead a team of five and they're all remote, right? Yes, so completely how remote. do you manage that? Yeah, I think the remote side of things definitely has come very natural to me. I think because we were remote before COVID, we were remote before it was even really a thing. Thing of the world, yeah. yeah. So it's always felt very natural. And I think being a digital business, we're obviously in a really great position and uh, it's it definitely comes a lot more naturally 
And I think for the most part, I'm incredibly lucky with my team because they really love remote work too. So I think if I'm hiring someone, they need to be passionate about remote work and they need to be able to work remotely. And that's something that we would put into the interviewing and hiring process. But I think a massive part of my leadership style when it comes to managing a remote team is definitely setting the expectation that I have of everyone in the team, setting the jam-packed standard. And that's through kind of communicating what our values are, what our vision is, how we talk to clients, the type of standard work that we uh, give to clients, that we deliver to clients. I'm very vocal on that. And once I establish that expectation and I establish that standard, I think I'm my leadership style is very trusting. So if you come into my team and I've set the standard and I've communicated what my expectations are, I am very trusting and I'll let you do your own thing. And I'm not a micromanager. I'm not kind of, yeah, breathing down your neck, looking at every little thing that you do. And I always wondered if that was a bad thing. But interestingly, now that you've brought it up, I got feedback from one of my leadership team members this week saying something along the lines of she's so grateful that I have let her do what she loves so freely and there's a lot of trust involved and she feels like she has grown so much because I've just kind of trusted her so much with that stuff. So I think that is my leadership style. I'm very trusting. But if you betray that trust, I've gotten better at calling that out pretty much straight away. So kind of be like, hey, I noticed that you submitted this work and like it's not as good as what you usually do. And yeah, I'll always approach it from a very kind but firm stance, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm not an expert on leadership. So this kind of stuff, it feels weird for me to talk about because I'm very much on a learning journey with it, as you know. And this is why I love talking to you about this stuff because I know you are as well. And it is, you know, you don't really get to a point as a leader where you're like, I'm killing it. And I think if you are at that point, you're probably not killing it yeah. because you're, yeah, you're, you're just probably not actually looking at how you're doing things too much. But I think also investing in leadership coaching, which I've spoken to you again yes. so much about, yeah. has been really helpful for me in understanding what tools to bring into my business to manage a remote team, how to have the harder conversations, how to performance manage that's a completely new thing that's come into my world and yeah what to look out for in in employees when you're building a a team but yeah as I said for the most part I'm incredibly lucky there's definitely been some times that I've had to performance manage and call out when my boundaries or the business's boundaries are crossed but for the most part I think just putting a lot of trust in my team members has empowered them to really step it up into their roles and deliver which, yeah, I'm really proud of. That's where you'll see the best results. Totally. I think, you know, I can't obviously speak on behalf of your team, but I think, you know, being trusted by your boss or by your leaders, it does empower people and you do want to do your best work and you really want to prove yourself when you know that they're trusting you with this and giving you, you know, the autonomy to get the work done in your time and your space. I think your team are very lucky to have Totally, yeah. yeah. And just one thing as well that that's made me think about is, when I think about my childhood, that's very much how my parents raised me is that they would kind of, they would just trust me to do what I wanted to do on the weekends. Okay. If that was going out and drinking with my friends, okay. <laughs> oh my if that God. was studying for my math test on Monday, okay. They weren't kind of like locking my me in my room or like drilling into me that I needed to get certain marks mm-hmm. or that I needed to have a certain career. They were very much like, as long as you're a good person, we're happy. 
and you're doing good in the world. We're happy. And so that put so much, they had so much trust in me. And I think that is a big reason that I am the way that I am yeah. because I, my parents have always just been trusting for me. And so that has rippled into my leadership yeah, it's style. Yeah, kind of innate, you know, yeah. within you. You just yeah. have that. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought of that. I thought that. I yeah. That's interesting. I love that little yeah. fun fact. <laughs> You know, I know you are super passionate about remote work, not only just for, you know, the benefits of the business, but also for mental and physical well-being. You've spoken a lot. You've made posts on LinkedIn, you know, about the benefits of that, of being able to go for a walk with friends in the morning and then, you know, get into work. And then the afternoon, if you want to go for a swim and you can come back or I know some of your staff have children and they can spend the afternoon with them and they finish their work at night. What role does remote work play into, I mean, I guess your mental well-being strategy at work and how does it benefit your team members? So many ways. Oh, my God. I feel like for a year, probably just before COVID, I wasn't prioritizing my health and I wasn't prioritizing my personal well-being. And that is when the business was at its all-time low because I personally was not feeling healthy. I personally was not looking after myself. I think we were friends in this period. This is when like our friendship kind of started and I was just not the best version of myself. And it really showed up in my business in our performance as an agency, the, how quickly we were growing, you know, even just how, who who I'd show up as as a leader every day. But since then I have kind of had this big shift in my own yeah, how I look after myself, my own personal well-being. And I've started prioritizing my personal well-being as much as I prioritize my business. And that's something I'm really proud of. I feel like I'm in such a rhythm with it now. And I do think a massive part of why I'm able to prioritize my health and well-being on a personal level is because of remote work. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to be remote to prioritize their personal well-being and their health. I think it's different for everyone, but I am saying it works really well for us. Do I occasionally wish that we had an office and that we could spend every day together? Absolutely. I wish that, you know, we'd spend more time together in person because it would be so much fun. But when you're working remotely, you have balance and we all do in the team. You can fit more into your days. As you said, you can, you know, go for a walk, like our morning walks. Mm -hmm. Like that is the kind of stuff that makes me feel really good. And if I am not doing that stuff, if I'm rushing to work in the morning or if I'm commuting into an office five days a week, I'm exhausted. When I do have the time for, you know, going for a run or seeing a friend or going to yoga or whatever it is that I want to do, I couldn't be bothered because I'm so exhausted and I feel burnt out. So I think remote work, one, it allows me to fit in a consistent exercise routine. Not that I'm fitspo by any means. <laughs> I'm not like out here like training in the gym five days a week or anything, but I am, I would consider myself an active person. I For consider sure. myself a healthy person. Uh, yeah. But also just, it allows me to have time to focus on my friendships and my connections outside of work as well. And I think I look at a lot of other business owners who don't do that. And in the first few years of my business, I would look at them and think, what, what am I doing wrong? They're working these 80-hour weeks. I cannot do that. I don't have that in me. And I remember talking to my business coach about this being like, I'm so lazy. Why am, I'm, work, I'm only working like 38 hours a week. And she was like, no, Jara, that is your superpower. Yeah. That is why you are such a great leader because you are setting the example for your employees. 
and they are then, yeah, following your lead. They're setting their own boundaries and yeah, it just means I'm a happier person all around. If I don't have a fulfilling personal life, I'm not going to show up as the best person I am at work. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. And I've definitely noticed a shift, you know, in your confidence over the last year, I would say, particularly the last six months. And I think being someone who is so close to you from that confidence and really seeing you, not that you didn't take care of your mental well-being before, but I've just noticed the biggest shift and it's your number one priority now. So your mental and your physical health is so important. And I mean, look, at we, we've got this really exciting rebrand next weekend. The things that have come from that, I think it has really helped you in the business. And as a founder, I've really seen you, you just glow now as a founder and you seem so strong in your role. And I really do think that is from the confidence that you have gained over the last year to six months. So do you want to share a little bit about that journey too? Yes, I love that you've asked this. It has definitely been such a confidence journey over the last year. I think when I think back to who I was this time last year, I had the biggest, you know, I wouldn't say it's imposter syndrome, but I just really didn't back myself a lot. Like I wouldn't really go into meetings and know that I'd where I sat. I didn't see the value that I brought to the table kind of thing. So I think the things for me that have enabled me to have such a big transformation in my confidence, that said, I do have a long way to go, as you know. (laughs) I literally (laughs) cried to you last night about this. It's okay. Um, (laughs) We all have those days. Yes, but I do, as I said, think I've come a long way. We both have. And that for me is, it comes down to a few things. One, Surrounding myself with other business owners who are in similar positions to me, running similar businesses, dealing with similar problems, who also align with me on a values perspective has been game changing for me. Like, I'm not sure if you've, well, you've seen, but I'm not sure if the people listening have seen, but I've been on these retreats with these business owners who have honestly become some of my closest friends. They're coming to the rebrand party next week and being around them just brings me so much confidence because I feel so validated in hearing that these business owners who I have looked up to for years actually experience the same kind of problems that I do and actually doubt themselves the same way that I do. Yes. And that to me has been so validating because I'm like, okay, this is normal what I'm going through and it's not supposed to just be butterflies and rainbows as business owners and we're not supposed to get it right all the time and it's like that saying you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with and not that I'm spending every day with these women but I am talking to them in our whatsapp chat pretty much every single day and they are some of my biggest supporters in business it it honestly gets me a bit emotional because they just have my back And I can talk to them about literally anything in my business that would usually be considered really confidential and I would never share with anyone. And if I did share it with, say, I share it with my dad or something, he doesn't quite get it because he hasn't managed a team before. And while he is amazing with advice, there's some things that he just doesn't get. Whereas now I've got this community of business owners who, yeah, they just get it. And that has honestly given me so much confidence because- I can see that I'm a leader that's very similar to these leaders that I've looked up to for years yeah. now, if yeah. that makes sense. They're kind of like your mentors and they've totally. turned into your friends. It's totally super special. And when I spoke about community before and how you've you know created your own, that's definitely, I think, what was probably at the top of my mind. These women have really 
I guess, inspired you, but now they're also your friends. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been so validating for you as a young person too, similar to what we touched on. You know, these women are older than you and they've been doing it, you know, for a while, these businesses. And so it must feel so validating for you to know that this is normal. There's highs, there's lows. You're not isolated. You're not alone. You've got a big, big support network behind you. And I would say to the people listening who are feeling like, oh, where do I find those people? It's honestly just, yeah, putting yourself out there, like I said at the start of this podcast, and getting yourself into those situations where you can meet people. It can even be something as simple as just DMing the people that you look up to on Instagram, DMing the people that, yeah, you feel like you have a values alignment with and asking them to come out for coffee. It can start from that because that's how this all started for me. It was just, it was kind of like an Instagram friendship that blossomed into something that is so much more tangible. And then on the flip side of that, what I think I've done is I've started to cut off people who bring me down. You know all about the people that have come in and out of my I life. I sure do. Um, and I feel like over the last year, I have been so brutal with, if you make me feel shit about myself, I'm cutting you off yeah. and I don't want you in my life anymore. And yeah, it has given me more time to focus on the friendships and the people in my life who actually bring me up. And that to me is just, yeah, it makes me feel so much more confident because I'm around people who think I'm amazing and I'm around people who I think are amazing. Yeah. And it's just like this big love bubble. <laughs> 100%. I remember we had a conversation on one of our walks and we both kind of made a decision that, you know, we were saying after our walks we leave, we feel so motivated and we feel confident, we feel yes. happy. Yes. And that really should be the way you feel when you're around people. If you're leaving feeling inspired and confident and not being like, oh, should I not have said that? Or like, did I mean to say that? Or like, what if they think this about me? Or like, they've left me feeling really down about myself and and feeling really icky that it's not the people you want to be around. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, when you've got a business to run and, you know, there's so much pressure that comes with that, you need to have those people that are there for you and support you and make you feel good. Exactly. Because that in turn, you'll be the best founder from that. Totally. Yeah. And I th- I need to thank you for kind of being, holding me accountable with that when I kind of talk to you about people who shouldn't be in my life. And you're like, Jarrell, you know what to Jarrell? do, get rid of them. And I'm like, okay, they're gone. It's a, it's a journey. We, it's a journey. Stop, start, stop, stop. We get there. We get there in the end. Yeah. I feel we've made some great progress. I agree. I agree. <laughs> okay. I also want to ask you a hard hitting question and you need to be brutally honest. <laughs> I want to talk to you about, you know, mistakes that you've made in the business. Obviously, no one is perfect and you've had this business for five years now. Are you comfortable in talking about, you know, a mistake, I guess, that you have made in the business or, you know, an incident that has happened that, you know, has been a bit of a big deal? I've made many, 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 many mistakes. (laughs) But the biggest one or just the one that I'm honestly still paying for to this day is taking my eyes off the financials of the business Mm -hmm. and trusting that somebody else is going to care about as much as I care about it. So right when we started kind of scaling, I had this accountant who managed our bookkeeping, managed our BAS, managed our tax, I don't even know what you'd call it, tax refunds and and, and all of that stuff. Um, Tax return, that's the word. (laughs) And he seemed all over it. He seemed like he was just doing all of the things. And if he needed something from me, he'd send me an email. But money gave me so much anxiety that I honestly didn't look at our profit and loss for, I'd say, like a year. I just saw that there was money in the account, in the business account. And I was like, okay, that's all I need to know. Yeah. 
but I wasn't looking at, okay, what clients have paid us, what clients haven't paid us. Oh my God, even just saying this out loud, I feel sick that <laughs> I even did this. Yeah. But I think I just had such a thing about money and asking for money and numbers have never been my strong point that it just made me it made me feel sick and I wanted to cry every time I looked at it. Even if it was good numbers, it just I couldn't wrap my head around it. Anyway, I ended up getting burned really badly because I discovered that this accountant actually wasn't doing as well as I thought. We logged into our zero with a profit coach one day that I decided to work with. And we just started noticing a lot of issues in our zero. One, we were, we hadn't paid lots of tax bills. So like so many tax bills just went unpaid. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know that we needed to pay this tax. Yeah. So immediately I cut off my accountant and got a new one. I went back to working with my uncle and he like sat me down and he was like, all right, like we've found a lot of mistakes in your financials and oh my god I'm like shaking I know, even I talking can see. about it because it was such a horrible moment yeah. but he basically sat me down and he was like this is how much debt you're in totally and I I don't know if I want to share the whole number but it was a lot it was six figures plus of Far debt at this point I'm 22 god I felt like, yeah, my world just shattered. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the hell? I've got all of this debt. And yeah. how am I ever going to pay that off? Then I realized that we were owed over 100K from our clients. So oh there were gosh. clients from four years ago that hadn't paid their invoices. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I can't believe this person didn't pay us. Yeah. I, but and I just didn't check. But this client that we worked with for six months, we delivered all of this amazing work to and they didn't pay us a cent and wow. I never said anything because I didn't look at any of it and oh my god it just makes me feel sick and I think it was such a wake-up call for me that you as a business owner need to have your eyes on the financials you need to have your input on the financials you need to be checking your invoices you yeah. need to be paying your superannuation planning ahead for your tax planning ahead for your cash flow all of that stuff and I'm really proud of how far that I've come with this. I can say now that I know what's happening in the business financially. I know what, uh, how much I need to be putting away. Everyone's superannuation is getting paid and getting paid on time. Yeah, that was the biggest mistake that I ever, I've ever made. And it was, I'm still paying the price for that. Like I'm still in a lot of debt, which yeah. is probably the, the one thing about my business right now that's really getting me down because mm -hmm. I do feel like no matter how hard I work or how many clients we sign on or how many clients even increase their retainers. I feel like I'm chasing my tail with the amount of debt that I've gotten myself in, but I do know there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's just, it's pretty soul destroying when you're like, wow, we just had a great month, but all of it's going to tax. Yeah. So that was the biggest learning curve for me. And I, I cried for yeah months and months in every single finance related meeting because yeah. Not only did I make all of these mistakes, but somebody would be explaining things to me, like my uncle would be explaining things to me, and I just burst into tears. Yeah. I think, like my poor uncle, he'd be like, uh, "Are you okay?" Yeah, and I'm like, no, "We've got to get to the bottom of this. What is GST?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's been a learning curve, big I'm, learning curve. Um, yeah, I've learned my lesson the hard way, and yeah. I won't make it again. And I feel like it's a good lesson to learn early on because. Not that I want to grow massive, but say I did grow massive and we um not even massive, but like bigger, and I wanted to employ someone that would help me with the financials. Yeah. I would never make the mistake of just 
palming that off to some yeah. managing director and being like, okay, that's your department now. I will always have my two cents yeah. in your check ins. Yeah, my check ins yeah. with the financials and have my eye on it because yeah. at the end of the day, nobody's going to care about it as much as I care about Very it. Very true. Yeah. yeah. Such a learning curve, but I expose myself big time. Oh my gosh. This is hot goss. <laughs> But remember as well, success isn't linear and mm. you'll, you'll get there. Mm, There's definitely a lot of other business founders in the same boat, I'm sure. Totally. Okay, Jara, you speak a lot about the goals you have for Jam Pact and, you know, this, this whole podcast is essentially going to, you know, follow that journey. But what about your own personal goals? I want the people to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I feel like this whole rebrand, a big part of it was also separating my identity from the business because obviously SBJ kind of still has my name in it. Yeah. So it's interesting to start thinking of myself and my own personal goals outside of jam-packed. I wouldn't say I've got like, yeah, I want to save this much money in my <laughs> bank account at the end of the year and I want to like be married and I want kids. Like I'm not, I don't have those kind of goals yet. They're, I'm just kind of trusting that that stuff will happen when it's supposed to. So I'd say my goals at the moment are definitely to just kind of like we've spoken about, invest in the friendships that fill up my cup, like you, Mia, my cousins, my sister, my dad, Maddie, you know, all the people in my life who are, who lift me up, investing in those friendships and keeping my circles small and just, yeah, having enough balance in my life that I can go traveling, like we're going to London this year, we're yes. going to Croatia, uh-huh. um, that kind of thing, and not and that not feeling like the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I've, I went to Europe last year, and in the lead up to it, it felt so stressful. I didn't know how I was going to pull it off. I managed to do it, but this year I'm just kind of like, well, yeah, it's my annual leave. I'm going on holidays, yes. and it's got to work. So I think yeah. balance and just being a happy, healthy human being is my goal. I love that. <laughs> it's an amazing goal. And I feel like you're working very well towards it. Thank you. Let's go to Croatia. Yes. (laughs) Okay, Jara, we have a little bit of time left. And I know last week you asked the jam-packed community to ask you some questions. So let's do some quick fire answers. Okay. You have to answer as quick as possible. Okay. The first thing that comes to your mind, okay? What is the worst part of being an agency owner? Oh, my gosh. I think the financial pressure for me has been the worst part and wrapping my head around all of that it has been, I wouldn't say it's like, it's the bane of my existence, but it's the most challenging part for me. I'm not naturally a numbers person. So the financial side of things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That would be tough. Yes. And also like managing when I went from freelancer to company director, it's like, I'm not just the money that comes into my, the business isn't just mine anymore. Yeah. I've got to actually, I've got all these expenses yeah. and, and you're paying salaries I'm now. paying salaries yeah. and that kind of thing, which is so weird to wrap my head around yeah. even to this day. Yeah. So the pressure is there. I've got to make the payroll every fortnight. Oh, gosh. And I, yeah, that's definitely a whole new, it's still like I've been doing it for years now, but it still doesn't get easier having that on yeah. your shoulders for yeah. sure. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> so this is a good one. Is your brain always on as a business owner? If so, how do you avoid burnout from this? So funny. I get this question all the time. And I remember like on those retreats with the business owners I was talking about earlier, a lot of them are mums and they would say to me, oh my God, as somebody who doesn't have kids, like you must just have this brain that's like constantly wanting to work and you just like are a workaholic. And I'm like, actually, no, mm. actually I work my normal work weeks. And if I say I have heaps to do on the weekend, which I do this weekend for the rebrand, yeah, it actually is so hard for me to get into the mindset mm. of working. So I don't know what it is, but as soon as Friday 5 p.m. hits, I'm like, okay, 
done. Turn it all off. I'm ready to just, yeah, relax. have some fun. Switch relax, off. Switch off. Yeah. See my friends. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not like, oh my God, I should do this or yeah. do this. I'm going to ju- re- reply to emails. I don't know why that is. It's just always been my nature. I can't, I can't overwork myself. Yeah. I think that's such an asset though, personally. Totally. You will prevent burnout that way and totally you know, still show up to work on Monday. You're fired, ready yeah. to go. Fired. <laughs> fired up. Fired up. <laughs> fired up, ready to go. Yeah. And the team will feel that too. Yeah. 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 It's good. Okay. What keeps you passionate about what you do after years in the game? Mm, okay. I think it is, I want to say, very normal for business owners or honestly just anyone to fall out of love with your craft. So if you are a digital marketer, I think it's very normal to go through periods where you're like, I'm actually not enjoying this right now. This isn't super fun. Like maybe it's a super crazy period or maybe you're an accountant and like you've got all these deadlines coming up and you're like, actually, this is just really stressful and I'm not enjoying it and I don't feel as passionate about it anymore. So I think as people, as humans and as business owners, we need to accept that we're not always going to feel passionate. 100% of the time about what we do, there are going to be periods of just plain hard work. But that said, I think what does keep me passionate about my industry is honestly just keeping my finger on the pulse of the changes. So for example, TikTok, getting into TikTok lately has gotten me so, it's reignited my love for the industry and just getting creative, listening to other creators, listening to other podcasts, consuming content keeps me inspired keeps me passionate my team keeps me really passionate because they are passionate so just hanging around other people who are passionate about your craft will i think make you feel more passionate about it but yeah not putting pressure on yourself to feel passionate 100 percent of the time yeah. i think that's unrealistic yeah that's such a burden to carry totally yeah cool i love that question yeah that was a good one We're about to wrap up, but I have my own final question for you. And that is, what are your three non-negotiables as a founder? You know, what gets you through each day? What keeps you going as a business? What keeps you fired up? They can be super tangible things or, you know, what are three just non-negotiables that you need? I think what I did this exercise at the start of this year that it seemed a bit fluffy at the time. I was like, I don't really know what this is. And it was with my therapist. And what we did was we sat down and we thought about, okay, what are my top three to five values or something, but not my values for my business. Like our values in business are, you know, things like integrity and blah, blah, blah. It wasn't any of that. It was what me, Jara, what are my values? And I sat down and my values were connection, uh, health and fun and career. So those were my top four values. And then what I did from that was, okay, what do I need to do every single day to make sure that I'm ticking that box Mm -hmm. every single day? So connection, I need to be seeing a friend, calling a friend, texting a friend, going for our sunrise walks. That ticks that box for me. Health, eating healthy, eating a balanced diet, going for a run or going for a walk. Uh, Then, you know, career, obviously work, doing something with that. So just kind of figuring out what is it that I need every single day to tick off for me to feel like I'm fulfilled, if that makes sense. yeah. And a big part of that has been seeing a therapist regularly to check in on that stuff and to make sure that I'm yeah, on track with that stuff. Because as soon as any of my connection slips, my fun slips, my health slips, my career and my business slips. So making sure that I'm ticking those boxes 
every day, which I should say I'm not ticking them every single day. <laughs> I feel like this podcast I've been like, yeah, I'm so fit and healthy. I'm out there <laughs> training every day. I'm absolutely not. Yeah. But at least I've kind of got in my head what I my life needs to look like to show up as the best version of myself so I can call myself out very quickly if I'm not doing it. But I should definitely say like I'm not a Fitzbo person like sprinting 20Ks a day. I'm not like that. I just I know what I need and if I'm not doing it, I will call myself out on it. Yeah. yeah. And I think just the consistency of it, you know, you keep yourself very accountable. You don't need to be running 20 kilometers a yes. day or you know, doing ice baths every day. <laughs> you just need to be consistent for yourself. Totally. That will help you tick those boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Brooke, for coming on. This was such a new experience for both of us. And I know this is, yeah, I think your first podcast that it's you've my done. First podcast. So I so appreciate you coming on. Okay, so before gonna... we wrap up, I have a question for you. I've literally just thought of this now. Okay. But obviously, we've been very close friends for a few years now. Yeah. I want to know why Why are you still friends with me? Why are we friends? <laughs> <I> still... <laughs> what do you get out of this friendship? Oh, gosh. Okay, where do I begin? I love this friendship and I really think that kind of what I spoke about earlier in the podcast, the last year to six months, you have had such dramatic change. And I think, you know, in my personal life, I have too. And we have kind of bonded in that moment, especially the last six months. I've known you for such a long time now. And we've had this long friendship. And oh, I'm just, I'm laughing because there's so <laughs> many funny moments yep. to this friendship. I'm just, oh gosh, some of the, the post-COVID moments yep. that we've had. You just make me laugh so much. You bring such joy. And I know our other really close friend, Mia, you make us laugh so much. It's so special. But I think our friendship, what I'm really appreciative about is the connection that we have. We're really honest with each other. And I feel that you have been really honest with me. You know, over the last year, things have happened in both of our personal lives and we've been really honest with each other. And I really appreciate that. I feel that we have a friendship where we can be like, mm, I don't know about that. Or yeah, I completely agree with that. And we really hold each other accountable. And that to me is a good friend. And I really appreciate your friendship. Oh, and I'm I love so proud you. of you. I love you too. <laughs> now let's party. Let's party. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the Jam Pack podcast. If you would like to connect with Brooke, I have left the links that you can follow her on the show notes. Otherwise, I will see you in next week's episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on pretty much every social media platform that there is. My favorites at the moment are TikTok, Instagram, and LinkedIn. But otherwise, I will catch you in next week's episode. Bye.